0: Episode 88, Chava Nainich, Self-Regulation Guru. Welcome to the First Year Married Podcast, where we get real about building the marriage of your dreams. I'm marriage coach Kayla Levin, and I take newly married and engaged women from anxious and insecure to confident and connected through practical tips, real-life inspiration, and more than a little self-awareness along the way. Hello, my friends. Welcome back. I am so, so excited for you to meet my dear friend and massive inspiration, Chava Neidich. She is a trained occupational therapist and Well, we talk a lot in the episode about why I specifically wanted to have her on, but I just want to let you know this is the kind of episode that is super, super helpful if you are or are planning to become a parent, but don't underestimate how important this information is for you as an individual, as a human being. So I'm really looking forward to this. This is such a I feel like a really fresh and different kind of topic that we haven't covered here before. I know with the thought work, we can get super cerebral and super intellectual. And I love this opportunity to kind of check in back into our bodies and to understand how that is affecting everything as well. So you're all going to take something from this episode. Enjoy. Have a night. Thank you so much for joining us on the First Year Married podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It is really an honor to be here. Oh, this is going to be so much fun. Okay. At this point, people have an idea of why I'm bringing an occupational therapist on when this is not a child education type podcast. Can you give us a little background of, I guess, who you are, whatever you want to share about yourself, your family, and also some of your background in occupational therapy? Sure.
1: So I am Chava Neidich. I live in Atlanta, Georgia, and I am an occupational therapist. OTs work with all sorts of different types of people throughout the entire age range. So we vary all the way from tiny preemies who are in the NICU all the way through geriatrics in skilled nursing facilities and everybody in between for a variety of reasons. What we do really is we help people to do the things they need and want to do in their lives. It's very general. But OT is a very practical profession and that's actually what drew me to it. I was a first grade teacher at the time and I had a lot of kids in my class who were getting occupational therapy. And I worked with that OT to try to implement a lot of her suggestions and ideas into my classroom to help my first graders. And when I saw what she was doing and the effect that it had on not only the kids who were getting therapy, but also the rest of the kids in the classroom. I became very interested. And so during my breaks, I used to go to her room and watch what she was doing and ask her questions. Um, and at the end of the year, I decided that I actually wanted to go ahead and pursue my master's in OT. So uh, she wrote my letter of recommendation. Oh, wow. And yeah. And I got into the OT program. Um, there was only one that was It was an hour away from my home, and if I didn't get in, I didn't know what I was going to do, but I did get in, and um, so I pursued my my master's in occupational therapy, and um, during that time, you know, we have to do internships in a lot of different places. We call it field work, and so I worked with a number of different populations, and when I graduated, I ended up working in pediatrics, in an outpatient, you know, just a private office where parents could bring their kids to work on things that they that, that were their priorities, their goals for their children. I did that for a while until actually until my third pregnancy had me on bed rest. And that's when I stopped working in that office. Since that time, I've really been home with my kids working on them. And I've, I've homeschooled for a number of years. So that's taken me in an interesting direction as well.
0: So you were actually our first introduction to occupational therapy in our family, and we are we need like frequent flyer credits <laughs> points <laughs> at this point <laughs> the amount of OT that's happening in our life. But I can definitely attest to what you're saying, not from the um, practitioner side, but from the parent side of how extremely profound the impact can be. And you know, this is a conversation for another day. But unfortunately, I feel like it's something that so many people don't know about. I know with one of my children, the solutions that people were coming up with really ended up being completely missing the mark. And it wasn't until you kind of noticed certain behaviors and you were like, maybe this is worth looking into that we were able to finally kind of uncover what was going on with her. So thank you, I guess. Really, I want to thank you for how much you have given our family. Um, you don't even know. You don't even know how much so. So the reason I really wanted to have you on here, because again, that doesn't necessarily sound so relevant to the First Year Married podcast, is that I think it was, correct me, I think it was at the beginning of the corona pandemic and lockdown and everything going on that you went on Facebook and you posted a pretty a short and jam-packed video about regulation yes. and how, and not just how to regulate your children, because so much of the time that's like the focus, but how to regulate yourself and why that's important and, and how to do that. Uh, is that right? That's when that was? Yes, right at the beginning of the pandemic. And what, first of all, what was the, I know that there was a reason you posted that. Was it just that it felt like this yes. was an important thing to say? Um, or were
1: asking. You, no, the reason that I posted it actually was because it was a reaction it was a reaction to the rest of what I saw on social media. So the, the time at which I posted it was right before, my kids were still in school, but in the North of the United States, like in, in New York uh, and in the North, they had already shut down. And I knew that that was coming here. And I saw people posting these lovely, um, colorful, Pinterest-worthy schedules and and centers and stations for their children of what they were going to do now that their kids were home from school these like little desks with these beautiful pencil holders seeing all of that and it wasn't just one person's post it was a number of them everybody asking for schedules and principles and things that they were going to do and seeing that flood of um, this idealistic planning is what prompted me to post the video and you might say well what's the di- what like What does one have to do with the other? I recognize that. I know exactly what that stuff is. When you see people putting these plans together um, and these schedules together, that is an attempt to gain control of a situation that feels out of control. Hmm. I recognize it because I've been there myself. When I first started homeschooling, I also created a, a beautiful schedule and I laminated it and I hung it up. And so seeing all of those made me realize that, we need to take three giant steps backwards and talk about the underlying issue that everybody's going to run into eventually, whether they know it or not, and that is regulation.
0: Okay, what even is regulation? (laughs) Okay, glad you asked. Um,
1: (laughs) So taking a step back from regulation for a second, I'll just explain that with occupational therapy, it's really a convergence of a number of different sciences and to some extent art, where we learn all about the structure of the body and the functions, you know, the nervous system, all the different muscles or origins and insertions and all of that. And we also learn some psychology, sociology, theory about habits and routines and the interplay between all those things in our daily lives. So, OT in general is looking at the holistic person. How is this person doing in their environment? In how they are living and everything that any occupational therapist does takes into account the the person with their own physical and mental abilities as well as the environment that they're in as well as the task that they have to accomplish Mm
0: -hmm.
1: so with regulation we all have to interact in our environments and some people we all have different levels at which we interact with the environment and different, different types of behaviors are appropriate at different times. So for example, if let's say you are in a library or at a conference, like at a, at a conference table, your uh, level of, we call it a level of arousal, meaning the, the level at which you need to be engaged and participating in this thing is kind of quiet, calm right? But alert. You can't be slumping down and sleeping either, right? You need to be alert. You need to be aware, but you really should be quiet. That is not the level that you're supposed to be engaging when you're playing a basketball game. When you're playing a basketball game, it's loud. There's a lot of movement. You're supposed to be aware of the ball, aware of the other players, and moving around. Neither of those is appropriate in the other circumstance. So all the time throughout our life, in, in everything that we do, we're kind of modulating our interaction with the environment and with the task, depending on what's appropriate. And for a lot of us, that comes automatically. You kind of know when you step into one environment, this is how you should behave. When you step into another environment, this is how you have to behave. With regulation, that's our ability to interact with the environment in the appropriate way. So we all know that person or those people in our lives that don't seem to have that, right? They're always like a little bit too close or a little bit too loud, or they're always kind of reticent and in the background and not really engaging when they should be right? And we all kind of operate on a spectrum of of normal. So that's not to say that the quiet person is doing something wrong, or that the loud boisterous person is doing something wrong. It just means they kind of hang out on different ends of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. We all do that. Our ability to interact with the environment in a way that is appropriate is called regulation.
0: So like, even for those people who are on the ends of the spectrum, what you would normally see, though, is that for their level they're still coming down for the conference room and going up for the basketball game right like typically yeah if they have if they have that 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 is what should happen that would be that like them being regulated right yeah yeah okay okay so then how and how does this come back to because i'm so interested i mean so many of us just love those pinterest schedules <laughs> like how do these two things come back together the way that it comes
1: back together and i don't know that they necessarily by definition, come back together, or they come together for me, which is why the Pinterest schedule prompted me to talk about regulation. They might not come back together for other people. But the idea of regulation is that you are able to interact in the environment the way that you need to do it, the way that's appropriate. So we all kind of can feel, let's talk about dysregulation. Dysregulation is when you're not regulated. So let's say that, you have, I'm trying to think of a COVID appropriate example, because it's like, let, you have to be ready on time for a flight or something like that, When nobody's taking flights right now, or very few of us are. So let's think of something else. Like um, you
0: right, you're stocking up at the grocery store. Yeah, right, good, good example. Okay, so you're stocking and it just makes you feel like everyone is staring at each other, and, or maybe, you know, you see people not wearing masks that you think should be. Yes, excellent example. So, Um, I know that for myself,
1: my level of regulation when I go grocery shopping has changed since the beginning of the pandemic. But I can remember at the very beginning when um, the shelves started to become bare and there was this rush and kind of a panic to go get what I needed. I could feel my heart beating faster. I could feel my, you know, I was tense. My whole body was tense as I was driving to and from the grocery store. And I even remember looking at other people on the road thinking like, well, what are they doing out? Like, where is anybody going? I'm like, well, you're on the road too. Don't be so quick to judge. But, (laughs) um, you know, I would, and also, by the way, at that time, nobody was wearing masks. We were being told, at least in the, in the States, we were being told not to wear masks and to leave masks for medical professionals. Right. So, you know, that now it's the reverse. But yes, that feeling that you have inside that tension, that, that heart being faster, feeling like you might not be able to get done the task that you need to get done, that is a, that's an example of dysregulation. I think probably um, the best example I can think of is like, sometimes it's easier to see in somebody else. And if you think of a, a toddler, you know, you've got a toddler who's like playing nicely, right? That's someone who's, who's regulated. And then when a toddler is just having a meltdown, crying, screaming, throwing things, that kind of thing, that's like really dysregulated. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we all, we all kind of have our, our mini tantrums sometimes. They might not be outbursts. They might not be throwing things or, or crying necessarily, but we all can relate to that feeling of just falling apart. That's really dysregulated.
0: Is this, we talk so much specifically in my group coaching program about overwhelm with the housework and, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's how the husband is helping with it or not helping with it. Or sometimes it's just the number of things and that they're not where they should be. And then that that's overwhelming. Um, is that, it, it's, it sounds to me like the way that they are talking in those scenarios is that they're dysregulated. Does that make sense? Definitely, because regulation
1: can come can be affected by both the emotional and physical uh, sides of a person. So on a physical level, we can get dysregulated from something as simple as like a tag that's itching us, that's bothering us. And instead of focusing on your work or what you're supposed to be doing, you just keep noticing that tag and kind of poking at it. We might be able to tolerate that and still get our work done, but that's going to wear away at our ability to focus and do what we need to do. I know for myself. Maybe this is revealing too much, I don't know. I don't think so, but because I think it's pretty common, I get hangry. You know, when I'm hungry and I just keep pushing through, I'll start to get dysregulated and without ha- without putting any effort into my emotional stuff, once I eat, I'll feel better and I'll be regulated again. It's automatic for me. So I think that we all have these things for us. And, and, and whereas my husband can go without eating for a long time, and he, it's not going to really get him dysregulated. He doesn't really get hangry. So we all have different things, right? We mm-hmm. all have different things that can impact how we feel physically. It's not one thing for, for me. It's when I'm hungry. Um, for someone else, it may be when they feel lonely. For someone else, it could be that they're overtired, they didn't get enough sleep, and that really impacts their ability to regulate themselves.
0: So, so talking know, about the, the housework example, I find like, For a lot of my clients, I think it's, it it was almost like stress and thoughts first, where they're looking at everything and they're trying to imagine how much energy it's going to take to fix it. And then they get overwhelmed and sort of dysregulated from that. I find for myself, it's almost like just the number of visual stimuli. Like if there's just a lot of things out, I get sort of tired of seeing it all. And, and I don't know, maybe underneath there is some thinking about cleaning it up, but even if I've decided not to clean it up, I just kind of feel tired from all the stuff that i'm looking at just and whatever that's just another suggestion or example i guess of how they c- it can come in in such different ways for different people
1: absolutely so that's the, that's an environmental stimulus so the environment there can stress you out i wonder if it happens in other people's messy environments or if it's only yours
0: like i like to shop in stores that don't have a lot of stuff yeah no i think well, it's okay, probably so it's,
1: it's the visual preference there yeah. right so the environment can certainly stress us out and we'll see this a lot like If you remember back to the days when we used to go to Kiddush at Shul, Mm -hmm. and it's a lot of people and a lot of movement and a lot of noise and mess and a lot of stuff happening, that's very dysregulating for a lot of people. That can be very stressful. So there's, so, and that would be, I don't know if I would lump that. I think I would lump those things in with physical, right? Because if you just, if you, if you physically change something about those circumstances, if you take a nap, if you eat food, if you get out of that environment, if you tidy up, that will automatically fix it. And then there's also the emotional component of that, which is that if you're feeling lonely or stressed out about something that's coming up, let's say there's something that you really don't wanna do, whether it's cleaning or, or a meeting that you're not looking forward to, a conversation that you have to have that's uncomfortable, all those things can be really dysregulating as well. And, and no amount of, of cleaning or eating or sleeping is mm-hmm. gonna get us back on track, that takes self-talk to really get, get that back on track. But all those things can derail us and get us dysregulated.
0: OK, this first of all, I just want to say, don't worry, guys. I know that if hearing all of this, I'm sure that everyone's having all these like light bulb moments of, OK, it was dysregulated here and here and here and here and here and all over here and also this whole area of my life. So we are going to get to the what to do about it part. <laughs> so it's not just identifying the problem. But I'm so grateful for this conversation because so much of the work that we do can be so cerebral and we're so focused on our thoughts and noticing what our thoughts are creating for us that I think it's really important and I think it's also really empowering to tune into what's going on with the body and with all of the senses and how we can bring that in. And in addition, like you said, sometimes it, it is the thinking and the thoughts that is creating that dysregulation. But I, I love how this is just sort of pulling it all together. So Okay, so is the next step to talk about what do we do? Or is there more groundwork? Okay. To, oh, we still didn't get to the schedules. Let me see if I've got it. Okay. It, everyone's feeling dysregulated because the toilet paper is gone, and you don't know if you should wear a mask, and you don't know if you have to wipe down all of your groceries with Clorox, or you know, all these different things that everyone was dealing with in the beginning. And in all of that overwhelm, what they were clinging to, or at least this is what you, you resonated with because this is sort of your experience when you started homeschooling is clinging to this like this perfect structured schedule to create a sense of control when they were actually what was really going on was that they were experiencing so much dysregulation and they weren't directly dealing with the dysregulation they were trying to fix it sort of in this other way yes
1: that Uh, that is the case and and what i saw what i knew was going to happen is about Maybe the first day for some people, maybe three days in, five days in, I knew they were going to see that the schedule wasn't really attainable. And it was going to feel like another failure on top of the dysregulation. Mm-hmm. Because I, I'm sure that not everybody in the family had buy-in, right, to the schedule, but it was kind of the one person making it up for everybody else. And not everybody else was on board with that. And so not everybody else was going to follow it. When that's what you're clinging to, to be your regulation, and then that doesn't work, it almost feels like a free fall.
0: Yeah. Or the people who aren't following the schedule become the enemy.
1: Or, yeah, yes, so much of that. And I knew that also, typically, I don't know how much you talk about social media, but a lot of times someone will post something about their beautiful getaway vacation or a beautiful gift from a spouse or a beautiful something that's going on a beautiful moment with loved ones or friends. It's not usually followed up by like a real post about how that went, right? <laughs> that like this beautiful beach you know this beautiful beach shot like was followed by rain and then the dinner reservation was canceled and then you know like you don't find out all the stuff you just kind of assume that everything else matched the picture when in real- reality we all know that that's not the case um and so i thought what was going to happen is probably people were going to see these beautiful schedules and assume that everybody else's family was going along and that theirs was the only one for whom it wasn't working mm. and that would be just so discouraging
0: i actually was expecting you to say that first of all yes to everything that you just said back in the day when my husband was sort of using social media he did a series at one point i think it was like real life vacay like hashtag or something like that and he would just take a picture of every time things went wrong our entire family vacation and post posted to <laughs> i remember that i remember that that was great And i was like these are the memories anyway so um but that's that was Memorable because it was an exception, right? So, yes, I actually last night had a conversation with a client about um, it's a bit of a detour, but I think it's important about limiting social media, not not to say that it's wrong or there's anything, you know, there's like a judgment, a values judgment on it, but because she was getting so, I'm trying to remember, except, I mean, essentially dysregulated, right? She, oh, it was the news, it was just every yes. new, you know, count of how many people have died and how many people are on and just all these different things and she she was having so much trouble staying balanced and I said you know there is there might you know just like I have to walk out of Michael's sometimes (laughs) because all the things are all over the place same way she might have to walk out of Facebook and you know get herself some space that doesn't have so many stressors. I'm so glad you brought that up because
1: I think that that actually ties into regulation exactly, which is that you can only engage, like my rule for myself is that if I'm feeling dysregulated for any reason, I stay away from social media because I know that that's going to be an additional stressor. And the idea when when you need to calm yourself down and get yourself focused and be able to interact with all the things that you need to do appropriately, the last thing you want to do is add another stressor that doesn't need to be
0: added. Oh my god! Um, I think so many people do the opposite, and they come on and they're dysregulated, and then they see something that triggers them, and then you get into these horrible.
1: <sighs> yes. Right? So when you get to the point, when you get to the point where you like see somebody's like beautiful like plate of lunch that they made, and you're like, I hate that lunch. That's your cue. Get off <laughs> and don't get back on. If you hate their lunch, get off social media and don't don't log back on. So you're your hovering skincare. over the
0: angry emoji. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Just get off. Do yourself a favor, just for yourself. It's a gift to yourself to be able to have that boundary and just say, and it's not just about social media either. If there's somebody, let's say that we all have people in our lives that kind of drain us a little bit, right? So if you have Mm -hmm. a person in your life that's kind of draining for you and you feel a little bit dysregulated anyway, maybe now's not the time for a conversation with that person. Get yourself totally like balanced and stable and ready. You have to have the reserves to be able to do that. And I think that right now during a pandemic, all of us are already drawing from the reserves. And so we need to kind of limit limit the different areas that we allow to draw from those reserves. So anyway, so going back to your question about what else we need to do, I would say the first thing is to recognize that regulation is a phenomenon that exists, that we all have a certain threshold for dysregulation and for regulation. And the threshold is different for different people. So you know, if the spectrum idea didn't really do it for you, maybe a threshold idea can do it for you, which is, you know, we all tolerate different things differently. So there are some people who are very sensitive to smell and some people who like something has to smell really strong for that person to even notice it. Okay, so that's like a threshold. At what point does it kind of prompt you to recognize that thing? I know a a couple where one of them Um, has a super high threshold for things that are frustrating or annoying. And she can just keep at it, keep trying, just push through and nothing really gets her down. And for him, like everything has to be just so. And if it's like kind of irritating, he's not interested in engaging with it anymore. Mm -hmm. So his threshold for dysregulation is pretty low. Once he gets dysregulated, he kind of is done. And her threshold for dysregulation to get her dysregulated takes a lot of effort and, and Things going um, wrong. <laughs>
0: things going wrong. Yeah, yeah. So I guess they balance each other out in that way. Um, <laughs> but, right, but to your point that understanding that this is even a concept, I think is extremely empowering. Because just like you said, with the example of you know a difficult person in your life or a stressful situation, when you understand that regulation is something that is in play, then you can make an educated decision about it. And I think it's at least, I mean, I know my husband and I, we're like listening into every OT session, like for ourselves, (laughs) we like totally Mm -hmm. resonate with everything that we're hearing, you know, for our kids. And it's so helpful. Like I see that for myself, I have a pretty low threshold for noise. And so I have to, there are times where I just be like, Oh my gosh, I have to turn off the music. Cause if the kids are playing loud and there's music, I'm going to get stressed out where yeah. the people, you know, I have a really good friend and we would go to their house and they're just like turning up the music every couple minutes. And finally, I was just like, I can't stay. <laughs> the music yeah. is so loud and the kids are playing and we're all talking. It's really stressful for me. And it was like, it was, it was like, I had just started speaking in German. Like it was, I mean, they were of course so sweet and accommodating and totally understanding, but not understanding. Like it was, it was very surprising that I said that. So I, just I'm just saying that because I want to make sure that people understand that this is something that exists for adults. It's not just something that you like necessarily grow out of or that everyone ends up exactly the same as they age, which you're you're also giving examples for that. Yes. 100%. Okay, so if we're in a situation where okay, and as you said, many of us are are in this situation right now feeling dysregulated, is it Let's start with this. Is it more important to deal with general, like let's say that you're just feeling, okay, COVID is really overwhelming. My work situation is overwhelming. I'm just kind of feeling a low level dysregulation at all times. And then there are other situations where we might be feeling highly dysregulated. And that's more of like a, I don't know if I want to say urgent, I guess urgent versus like, is one more important than the other? Would the same tools work for both? Does the question make sense? <laughs> yeah, the question makes sense.
1: The question definitely makes sense. You have great questions, Kayla. Um, so I think that they go hand in hand, um, honestly, that, um, that we probably in our, in our life pre-pandemic, um, whether or not we had the word regulation in our vocabulary, we all kind of did this automatically. It's kind of a skill that you learn throughout your life to recognize your, we, we might call it likes and dislikes. You know, I li, you know there are, we all have those friends that um, like to study when it, we're in absolute silence. And we have those friends who like to study with music on in the background. Um, everybody kind of knows what works for them to some extent, whether or not they call it regulation. And um, we all had our, our likes and dislikes figured out we kind of knew how to fix it if we were feeling yucky, let's say, before pre-pandemic. So if it was, you know, um, going out and sitting, uh, I, I think I, I, thought this, I thought I would do it more than I actually did it in my real life, but going out for coffee alone and sitting and reading a book for an hour if that's what does it for you, we all kind of had those things. And then those things kind of disappeared, right? Coffee houses shut down, now they're open again and I don't want to go sit in one. So all those different opportunities or getting together with friends, um, a lot of the things that we used to do automatically to help ourselves stay regulated, if we didn't call it regulated, happy, um, connected, whatever we want to call that, a lot of those things that we did automatically were ripped away from us. And we had to find new things to make us happy, to get us regulated. And not only that, but, um, and this is also part of the the occupational therapy framework, is that habits and routines are a huge part of what makes our life, what, what keeps us regulated. So if you had to think every single day about, okay, I just woke up, what do I need to do now? Okay, I'm gonna go wash my hands, okay. I have to do, brush my teeth. What do I do next? Uh, Toothpaste, on the toothbrush. If every single thing took thought, we wouldn't have energy to do any of the other things we have to do. And that's why habits and routines are so important because those things become automatic. And I don't even think about brushing my teeth and washing my face. I just kind of do it. And then I get on with my day. We all have those. COVID threw all of that on its head. All of our habits and routines, we had to rethink them. We had to learn new ones. And that is very dysregulating. So, All of the things that we had to do differently in our lives, plus all the things that we used to do to make ourselves regulated, we had to learn from scratch. One thing to recognize is that all is dysregulating. So if you are feeling on a low level, just kind of like unsettled, like you just can't find yourself, that's normal. And every single other person on the planet was also going through that. Some of that has, we've started to establish new habits and routines. Hopefully, we have found some new ways to regulate ourselves, but I think that knowing that things are are a little bit like turbulent, and that we were in a time of transition, and some of us are still in a time of transition, you know, that is an important thing to know because there's a lot you can let slide during a transition. So let's say that um, you're a family that really. You guys really focus on eating healthy food, and in your family, you you really both you you and you and your spouse, you and your children, whatever it is, everybody eats healthy. And then a big transition happens in your life. Is it okay to, you know, order pizza for that night? Is that going to derail everything? Maybe not. Maybe that's survival mode. Maybe it's time for just cereal and milk. You know, whatever is survival mode, go go to that. And don't think that it's a forever thing, it's a transition thing, but you might need to lean on those things a little bit more. It's not the time, one of my friends gave me great advice when I had my first child. She, told this was when I was still pregnant with my first child, she told me, after she has, a, she's ahead of me, you know, she had a, a few kids before I had my first. So she told me that after she has a baby, she and her husband have a rule that they don't talk about anything important for the first six weeks. Oh, and yeah. They don't talk about anything important. They don't make any decisions and they don't do anything important for the first six weeks because she's completely, they're both sleep deprived and her hormones are totally out of whack. And they've learned that it just leads to fighting. So, is it okay? Would I say that you and your spouse should never talk about anything important or make important decisions or have difficult conversations? If you're saying that you should never have those because it will lead to fighting, then there's a, real, there's a real issue there that needs to be addressed. If you're saying that that's your rule for the first six weeks to avoid fights while you kind of learn your new life, I would say that's a very healthy decision to make. Mm-hmm. So during this time of a pandemic, if we go to our survival mode things, we don't have these important and heavy conversations. Um, maybe we are a little bit lax about our family rules about things that, that maybe matter a little bit less that we think you know not to think that this is going to derail it and from now on we're never going to eat healthy food again it's okay just get through it till you find your your footing once you find your footing you can go back to the things that are important to you it's amazing so that that goes to your that goes to your question about you know if it's a low level regulation issue one thing that happens when when the, I'll tell you this is for me personally I, and I don't I haven't seen the research on this to know if this is what everybody experiences but I definitely experienced it at the beginning of the pandemic I was okay. I was kind of like functioning. I was kind of like, okay, I'm gonna be you know, flexible, survival mode, lower my standards and my expectations. I've got this. And then I snapped. You know, it was like something really, really ridiculous. It was like, I remember one particular time, it was because, oh, so Pesach happened, right? Pesach happened right after the beginning of the pandemic. And we all made Pesach by ourselves. Everybody's plans got thrown. And it was about matzah crumbs. My kid took a thing of matzah out of the box and was just like eating it over the floor. And I, I just lost it. I was like, get up late. <laughs> um, that's something that can happen when you kind of hang out at this low level of dysregulation for a while. Something that normally would not prompt you to lose it can prompt you to lose it.
0: I'm feeling so validated right now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and so I knew at that moment, like, okay, we're switching. First of all, you know, I can, I can, it's, it's okay to like lose it and make mistakes. Number one, we all do it. And if we expect ourselves to handle every situation perfectly, then, then we've got our expectations wrong because that's just not realistic. So after I calmed down from the matzah crumbs, I said to the child, to the offending child, I said, I am so sorry. You did not deserve to be yelled at. I shouldn't have yelled about matzah crumbs. And that was the end. It wasn't like a long conversation, but I could apologize and attempt to repair and move on with our lives. But it was important for me to see that. I needed to know, okay, we're switching from like a low level regulation into a higher level of dysregulation, right? Now, I was kind of like agitated, agitated, agitated and going along with it and being fine. And then suddenly I wasn't fine anymore. And that's when we're getting into this higher level of dysregulation where you really have to go ahead and do something about it.
0: Interesting. Okay. So on the low level, it's more, it's first of all, awareness that that's happening it's sort of this compassion i feel like you spoke about so beautifully like know that other people are going through this too this is something that we're we're all in even if it's not this particular pandemic everyone experiences this at some point in their life and then trying to loosen some of our the places where we can where we can whether it's how healthy the food needs to be or the bedtimes or the making important decisions where can we kind of like lower the intensity and the importance of what's going on and then okay so now we're moving into high level <laughs> dysregulation. Dis- yes. So higher level dysregulation,
1: if something if you're consistently irritated and you're like always just you know really irritable and irritated. Now, this is not meant to be this is not a diagnosis that I'm, that's totally out of the out of my professional domain. If you know that you have anxiety or depression or any other underlying condition that needs treatment, that's number 1, for sure. Because we're all going to have our mental health issues exacerbated by stress, um, particularly a pandemic. So this is not in place of that. If that's an issue, for sure, that that needs to be addressed first and foremost. But assuming that everything is on on its normal, you know, level, um, that's when we can talk about regulation and dysregulation. So when we're getting to these levels of like irritability. Um, where just everything is annoying you, everything is aggravating you. Like I said, like uh, social media, you see that like plate of lunch and you're like, I hate that lunch. (laughs) You're you're at a level of dysregulation that's higher and you have to do something about it because otherwise it's just going to flow into everything else that you're doing. So like like I said before, we had, prior to the pandemic, we all had our go-tos. For some of us, it might have been um, taking a break, you know, maybe having a coffee, taking a nap, going and working out, calling a friend. We all kind of know what it is for us. Maybe maybe for someone, it's tidying a space that got a little cluttered. Um, I'm not talking about like a, 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 an entire home overhaul, but, you know, one, one space, one cabinet or one drawer that like, oh, I organized that and now I feel more organized internally. So for each of us, we need to identify in our head what that is the thing to know about that is that, you know, we're not, we're not robots and therefore it's not going to always be the exact same formula that works for us on a given day. So maybe it could be that some days, you know, you hop on your treadmill or your elliptical and you just feel so much better afterwards. And some days you might do that and not feel better afterwards. And then you have to go to another plan or, or you might know in advance, oh, that's not going to do it for me today. What else could I do? So it's good to have a, kind of a toolbox of strategies that you use to regulate yourself so that if one isn't working for you on a given day, maybe you could try a different
0: one. And I think that that's really important to note that not to expect it to always work exactly the same every day. I'm just trying to imagine if I'm in a place of like extreme dysregulation, I guess, I mean, I think in my experience, I usually notice that like you, like your matzo example, after some kind of incident right like i don't usually mm-hmm. notice i'm like extremely dysregulated and catch myself before it's a problem like, does that make sense Yes. um so in that moment i guess there's you know whatever you need to do to kind of make a repair and then yeah i'm, I'm just trying to is it like something where i want to be thinking okay if i've if it's gotten that intense then I need to make sure that I'm getting some of this every day or is it like I should just try and be like, what's one thing in my toolbox I need to do this right away? Ah, so that's a great question. So the question is, I I think if I'm
1: understanding you correctly, like do you need to wait till you get to a breaking point or is this something that you should be addressing on an ongoing basis so that you don't reach a breaking point?
0: And how could you even know that you're on your way to a breaking point? Yes, okay, great question.
1: And so I think that for, for me anyway, I'll say that I... I was kind of able to tell beforehand. You know, I could kind of tell. Okay, I'm getting, I'm getting agitated. A lot of time, for me, it was, a lot of times it's physical. You know, I I can feel the tension. In my shoulders building. I can kind of feel my heart rate elevating, and I know. Okay, I'm getting agitated now. I should take a break. As a homeschooling mom who is like always home with my family, and my husband oftentimes worked from home beforehand, and I was just like with with my family all the time. For me. Isolation is what I need. I need quiet. I need to go somewhere alone and like read a book or talk to someone else on the phone who's not in my nuclear family. And for me, those would be regulating. So I could tell, like, okay, now it's time for me to take a break. And I need to do that so that I can come back and engage appropriately with everything and everyone that I need to engage with later on. Mm-hmm. Once the pandemic hit, it was like my gauge broke. I couldn't tell. I think I was at this low level of dysregulation all the time that. I stopped being able to say like, oh, I need a break now. It was just like, I would just break, and I and I realized, okay, my gauge must have moved. Now I need to identify where it is again. You know, wh- how how can I kind of feel when I'm getting what happened? What precipitated that matzah crumb thing? What was I feeling right before that, where I can kind of identify that that was wh- what was going on? And then I realized, you know what? It's Pesach. Now's not the time for me to do all this work. I need to get through Pesach. I need to just go, keep in survival mode. That was for me. That was for me personally. I think that. Post uh, now living through the pandemic, I'm not able to get those breaks as much. I might have these like kind of snapping points more frequently than I did before. So I've realized that I really do need to work in ongoing activities or or exercises for myself that will keep me regulated. So so physically that has meant like staying hydrated for me, trying to eat healthy foods, trying to work work into my schedule exercise and keep myself physically you know trying to make sure that I don't stay up at, like too late at night so that I can get up the next morning and do it all again so physically like taking care of ourselves in the way that we know we need to be taken care of and then emotionally emotionally there were a couple of things that I that I needed to do one of them was I heard this is not my own idea but it just it clicked with me so hard when I heard it I recognized it right away one of the things that was happening a lot it was it was too hot outside for my kids to really play outside during the day so they would play outside like after 5 p.m or so when it got later it was a little bit cooler outside and their friends from across the street could come over and they could socially distance and and kind of engage with each other and play which is so important for them to be able to do so dinner time would come and i would kind of debate with myself whether i should disrupt their play And bring them in and and feed them dinner and do bedtime on time? Or do I let them stay outside and play and just kind of push the evening off a little bit, knowing that my kids do not sleep late the following day? So they're just gonna be tired tomorrow if I let them stay up. So I'd have this debate with myself and then I would decide, you know what? It's so important for them to play. I'm just gonna let them do it. What do they need to be? They're not going to school tomorrow anyway. What does it matter? So I'd let them play outside and they would come in late and hungry and I would switch into like, not not quite monster mode, but you get the idea. If I want to call it that, mm-hmm. <laughs> I would just be like, okay, you know, everybody wash hands, wash hands. Okay, eat dinner. Eat, you know, did everybody eat? Okay, you know, and, and I would try to quickly. Okay, as soon as dinner is done, go to your rooms, get in pajamas. Let's brush teeth. We got to go to bed. And then I would uh, recruit my husband, right, and put a lot of the responsibility on him, right. Hi, we've got to get these kids. Please, could you ta- you know take two of them, put them to bed? I'm gonna grab the other two. I'm gonna put them to bed. And and I would like assign him a role in this and if he did not do it to my satisfaction um i would be like you know but it's so important they have to go to bed right now it's like right now right now otherwise it's going to be too late and so i heard the the Robinson of my community she was talking about uh, marriage during a pandemic and one of the things that she said is that we often get when we st- when we start to feel out of control we tend to try to Control our husbands or loop them in to help us feel more in control.
0: Yes. <laughs> um, Great.
1: Yes. And so I immediately thought of that example and I was like, oh my gosh, I am 100% doing that because I am unilaterally making the decision to let them stay out late and I, I let them eat dinner late and put them to bed late. And then when I get really stressed out because it's too late and there's no way I can manage all the tasks that need to get done by myself, I get mad at him for not jumping in and doing the things that need to be done that I unilaterally decided to accept.
0: This is this applies so far beyond this applies beyond child care. This applies beyond not child care but taking care of our children. This applies beyond um beyond the pandemic. I mean this is something that I think like you said it's any that we're feeling out of control. Right. So
1: it can, I mean, it really can apply to anything. You know, if we got groceries and we decided to go ahead and take this phone call, now the groceries have been sitting out, but we've got to run out again. And it's like, so your husband has to suddenly jump in and put the groceries away right now, right the second, because you unilaterally decided to do something else during, you know, so it it does apply, absolutely. Um, But I saw it so clearly in myself that, yes, I will unilaterally make a decision, you know, accept the consequences and then push them onto him. Right um, when I realized that that was just really me feeling out of control, just that realization helped me to frame it differently for myself in my head, so that when I did that, I could say, "Okay, you're feeling out of control, but that's okay. You know, it, things are a little out of control, and I'm just going to keep at it till everyone is put to bed." Or I could turn to my husband and communicate with him and say to him... Um, I let the kids stay out really late because I thought it was super important for them. They really needed the social interaction. And now I'm feeling really out of control because they need to go to bed and it's so late. Do you think you could step in and help? But the, the do you think you could step in and help it has to be genuine, right? It can't be that. Do you think you could step in and help with, with the, with the subscript? Like you better step in and help. i in a lot of trouble. Wow. Yeah or i'm going to be or i'm going to be disappointed or hurt or mad right sometimes like our, you know our husbands can be very sensitive to how we're feeling and if if they know that they've let us down you know that can be really hard for them so setting an expectation that is urgent and 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 wasn't something that he agreed to in the first place um and then being upset or hurt that he didn't you know didn't do it um can be really hard so i when, when i realized oh my gosh there are examples um where of times where I feel out of control and therefore I kind of demand for my husband to step in and help me get back in control. A, whoa, that's really not fair. And I would not like it if he did that to me. And B, I can just embrace the feeling out of control. Oh, that's what this is. Label it. And then it makes it just easier for me to deal with personally.
0: Totally. That's me in the morning, I think. I think I have the same version not at bedtime, but in the morning when I'm like, nothing needs to be on right now, whether it's because like I need the quiet or, or they're going to be late, but it's like, I'll just see at some point, it'll just switch to like, nope, it's too late. It's gotten too late. They need Mm -hmm. you know, we need to get going and exact same thing, right? Like he's been doing something else. He wasn't even involved in the last 20 minutes (laughs) because he wasn't responsible for that. And now I'm just like, okay, I woke everyone up late, but now we all hands on deck. That's what you're saying. Yep. Yep. Okay. All right. So let me make sure that um, I have this clearly. Going into the time of ex- like let's say extreme dysregulation or or breaking point. I like that term. What did we say? What is the tool? <laughs> uh,
1: okay. So if we want to break it down into it.
0: So really, it's well, a. Like, tool. what's this? What's the yeah? What's the clear takeaway that we're coming away with? Of, I've gotten to a breaking point. What to do?
1: So. I would say that when you've gotten to the breaking point, the question is most urgently, how do I get out of the breaking point? Like, what can I do right now to minimize the damage that i that I do? yeah, in my relationships and fix it as fast as I can, get back to my to to a level of of regulation. And for each person, that could be different. So having, Sometimes figuring it out in the moment is really hard. So thinking about it beforehand, since we all kind of get there sometimes, if it's that you need to go for a drive or shut yourself in the bathroom for privacy, or for some people put on headphones and listen to music or read a book or whatever it is that go, go for a workout, whatever it is that gets you regulated, be, be ready to do that. And sometimes we have the luxury of separating ourselves and taking a break and sometimes we can't um depending on what circumstances are where we can't get away so having like kind of a variety of uh, in in our toolbox of things we can do if we are if we if we are kind of bound to the obligation of staying home and being with our kids if not if you can get some space if that's something that does it for you or call a friend or something like that but I think for each person what what regulates them is different so I would say like if there's an easy if there's an easy thing like if it's clear that you're tired or hungry Take care of that. If it's more of an emotional or cerebral thing, take care of that. Sometimes, Uh, and I I think you give a lot of tools for that journaling, sitting down and and writing out how you're feeling. You know, we all have our things that work for us. So, kind of being aware of those and and having them at our disposal so that we can pull them out when we need them. Not a one size fits all solution.
0: And it's a work in progress. Like, we're going to find new things, and some things are going to stop working, and sometimes, like you said, it's not going to work that day, but just having that kind of, that bucket in your head of like, oh, I'm going to add that to the bucket If those, are, that helps that that was something I really liked. I think. Yeah.
1: And I think that modeling that, like meaning the, the people that we're in relationships with, whether it's a spouse or children or whoever it is, that's like, you know, very close to you in your life, they might not have the language of regulation, being able to speak about um, being regulated or dysregulated, but. Everybody understands that concept because we all experience it. And so sometimes just turning to the people that are close to us and explaining that that's what's going on, you know, saying, I'm feeling really agitated, right? It doesn't even have to be like, I'm dysregulated. It can be, I'm feeling so agitated. I'm really stressed out about a a conference call I have coming up. I just wanted you to know. Sometimes it's just communicating. Like with, with, uh, I remember many times where I learned when I, like I, when I learned I could just turn to my husband, it's not expecting him to fix it or step up in some way to make it better. It's just, I just want you to know I'm really stressed out today and I'm probably not going to feel better until the conference call is over. Just wanted to give you a heads up.
0: So, you know, yes, just mm-hmm. communicating
1: it. And I think as a parent, I, I do try to communicate that and model it for my children, you know, Oh, you know, I'm feeling really overwhelmed right now. It's really noisy for me. I'm going to go take 10 minutes. Nobody, Please, nobody knock on the door, and I'll be out in 10 minutes. Because they need to have those skills, too, for them. It's good for them. If, you know, How great would it be if our kids, instead of fighting with each other, said, I need a 10-minute breather. I'll be back in 10. <laughs> so when we model that for them and show them, like, oh, this is how a mature person deals with it. Instead of lashing out and yelling and picking on someone else, I just take a 10 minute break and come back. They learn those skills.
0: Right. And I think it's also really important because so many times you can hear information like this and the whole time the light bulb is going off of like, oh yeah, my husband was dysregulated that time and he was dysregulated that time. And he really needs to listen to this episode and he needs to know about regulation. And we sometimes like use this information to, you know, diagnose other people in our lives, very frequently, our husbands. So I, I love this perspective of just, it's modeling. It's not modeling necessarily just to teach, right? But, right. but it, it's a really good way, I think, of kind of tricking that part of our brain that wants to make this all about other people into working on yourself and doing the work for yourself. And then, you know what? Generally, people kind of pick that stuff up. If you live with somebody, certain things just become a little bit contagious. And, right. um, you know, it can get us sort of refocused on doing the work ourselves.
1: Right. And that's definitely true. And I think that with our spouses, you know, we, we can model it and we can also model how we want to be treated and we can express clearly how we'd like to be treated. So for example, I'm making up any, but let's, let's say that my husband walked in while I was yelling at the child about matzo crumbs, right? And he, so he, he could have two possible responses. He, I mean, there's many, I guess, many possibilities, but let's say he could say, whoa, 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 what's going on here? What's happening? Why are you yelling? Right. Which automatically puts me right on the defensive and makes me want to yell more. Right. Or you could say, whoa, you know, it looks like you could use a break. How can I help? Mm -hmm. Totally different approach. And in one of them, I might not know how he can help, but I feel like appreciated and validated and I feel seen and I don't feel judged. So we can also take those tools and apply them to our spouses because they are, they too are going through a pandemic and they too are experiencing dysregulation for a variety of reasons. Sometimes we know why, or we can identify why maybe, they, maybe, they, maybe they're maybe uh, maybe whatever, something happened at work, maybe something with a family member, maybe they were dealing with a child's meltdown and now they are dysregulated or whatever. whatever. Yeah. Maybe they were the ones who went grocery shopping and they, they need to come home and like totally like detox from that experience. In that case, saying you look like you could use a break. How can I help? You know, we can be there for them. We can show up for them in ways that would really be helpful and model how to be there for someone when they're dysregulated.
0: Oh my gosh. Yes. And I think that so many times we think that like if, if the right wife, the perfect wife would know exactly what her husband needs and would just su- supply that thing, right? Like <laughs> the cigar, the newspaper, and the slippers would just appear. It's like, <laughs> even though we don't like live in the '50s and we don't see ourselves that way, there's still kind of this like, you know, this background idea of like you should just know it. And so much of the time, all we need is just to ask. Like it's it's just as supportive to just ask our husband, like, what do you need? As it would be if you knew the thing that he needed. Like we don't need to know. And um, yeah. so I love that example. And I'm thinking about how, since this pandemic has been going on, one of the things my husband and I just sort of started doing, I don't think it wasn't, maybe it was intentional on his part. It wasn't on mine is we just do stress check-ins. Like -hmm. we'll just sort of at the end of the day, at some point between when he gets home from work and we go to bed, we'll just be like, what's the stress level today? Like, how are you feeling? And it's just more, it's not just like a, how are you? But like, we're just sort of being a little bit more intentional with like, what's the check-in and almost giving the other person a chance to actually find out, like to look into ourselves and to really get an idea of it, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's been extremely helpful. So maybe that's another takeaway we can offer.
1: So the, the takeaway there would be like not being afraid to not know, to be curious with them. Yeah. To, to ask.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, need and how they're doing because they might not even know. They might not have had a chance to stop and check. themselves right
1: and so there are also some very simple like very simple i i love i love like being able to break stuff down into very doable things so where it's not like this overwhelming whole thing one of the things that we can do that that's very easy and mindful but um not something we necessarily think of is i know for myself when i get stressed my face gets very serious like my body tenses up my face gets very serious and i don't smile I don't make eye contact and I don't smile when I get really overwhelmed. I just don't. So that was one way I learned to kind of fake it, you know, where my children don't need to feel if I'm stressed out about going grocery shopping, it's nothing that they did. And it's nothing that they can control or do anything about. It's nothing my husband can do anything about really, but to look at them and smile. It's a very concrete way to connect with someone without having to really feel regulated. Let's say you can't get regulated. You tried, you're just not feeling regulated. So what, do you just like walk away and give up? You don't have to. Look at them, smile, you know, simple. Another thing that we can do is, you know, we all are, are picking up on on body language and other nonverbal cues. So um, I, I realized that a lot of times when I'm talking with my husband, especially like at night, I have all these things I need to do, I need to, you know, put away the clean dishes, wash the dirty dishes, put away food from dinner, like bustling around the kitchen while we're talking. And I learned that if I sit down, like in a chair and just kind of face him, that taking 10 minutes to just do that, to just physically sit down, because it gives the message, I am here and my attention is on you. Um, It gives us both, It, it gives that message to me and it gives that message to him. So we're able to sit down and talk, it's, a, it's really a concrete physical action, but it has so much depth to it. And it gives, it makes the communication so much richer. And you don't really have to be regulated to do that. Even if you're feeling a lack of calm, um, it's something that, concrete that you can do to keep the connection going, even when you're not at your best.
0: Those are amazing. I'm so glad that you included this. Thank you. Oh my gosh, I told you in the beginning I was like don't this could be a nice short interview don't worry. This is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's fabulous. I feel like we could keep going forever and I know I'm going to get messages like can she come back on and talk about this in in deference to the fact that I know that I have a lot of listeners who are very type A and they feel like they need to be on top of the podcast and I don't want them to feel bad if they're getting behind <laughs> in like a yeah. hour long episode. So here's my last question for you. This is just one that I've been asking everybody on our guru series which is if you could give advice or tell anything to newlywed Hava what would what would you say
1: I would say embrace the learning curve I think that um a lot of people had said before we got married and when I heard like general marriage advice you know don't have too many expectations you know stuff like that and I went in thinking okay i won't have too many expectations i'll just be like go with the flow i'm just gonna like be when i pictured myself as a wife i pictured myself smiling and happy and always with like fresh food to serve i don't know why food like played such a big role in how i imagined myself as a wife but i but it did then i realized like it's not all about just you know sometimes. Sometimes things really are sticky and difficult and sometimes you really do disagree on stuff. Sometimes things are just, you know, it's not just about pasting a smile on your face and like, you know, imagine being the happy wife that you imagined you would be. Sometimes you have to go, you have to have like harder conversations or work things out. And learning the the like rhythms of a whole other human being takes time. You're you're gonna sometimes mishandle something or say something in the moment that maybe you didn't mean. That's okay. Don't expect to be perfect. Learn from it and try to apply that next time. And and hopefully things your you know your marriage will be much more re- rewarding and richer for the work. When people talk about the work of marriage, that's what they're talking about. You know, making mistakes, working through them, learning from them applying that, what you learned next time. And sometimes that's not perfect either. So you learn from that and you just keep getting that feedback and trying to figure things out. And the learning curve takes longer than just a short period of time. So give yourself time for, uh, for a long learning curve and embrace that challenge.
0: Amazing. I love that. I love it so much. Can you Thank tell you. that I'm a
1: former type A? That you're what? Oh, super type A? No, uh, no, a former, former type oh, A. Oh, former. Yeah, I, I I think that um, certain things in my life have changed me, for, but I, I definitely used to be a lot more um, of a perfectionist and rigid about things. So yes, so that would be my advice to my formerly um, <laughs> structured self.
0: <laughs> back in the day. Yeah, back in the day.
1: Wow. It has been such an honor and treat. This has really been an honor and treat to be here with you. It is so Nice to I listen. I I get to hear your voice from your podcast, but to speak to you in person, you are a dear friend, and um, th- this is a really an incredible podcast. And I'm so
0: excited to be part of it. I have to tell you, when I got the idea to have you on the podcast, I like squealed. <laughs> <laughs> I could just if she says yes, I could share Hava with everyone. <laughs> like I feel like I am giving the biggest gift to all the listeners. So thank you so so much. Thank you. All right. Okay, my friends, thank you so much for listening this week. Please go ahead and share this episode. If you aren't subscribed already to the First Year Married podcast, I would love for you to join us. And if you listened and you have thoughts or ideas that you want to share, we'd love to hear from you. Or you can screenshot this episode, post it on Instagram, tag me there at First Year Married. I'll make sure Chava sees it as well. And have an amazing week, everyone. Bye-bye.